Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hello, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, and welcome to Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. In this monthly show, appearing on the third Monday of each month, I've been dialoguing with all kinds of people, doing interviews, having uh, sharing a lot of live feeds, and have also been going on my own rambling journeys. Now, for people who are interested in past podcasts, you can find all of the direct links over at my website, Passion and soul.com. That's P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-N-D-S-O-U-L.com. Now, this week has been an interesting one for me. It's been one of ups and downs and lefts and rights and sidewayses. And not too long ago, it also was one of sex. Hot, steamy, sweaty sex. Sex with my partner, sex with a lover, sex with people who I cherish and adore, sex with myself. And I find it really interesting as we discuss that notion of sex, what sex is. And so I want to take us on a little bit of a journey today to talk about sex. Kinky sex, dirty sex, clean sex, beautiful sex, and all kinds of sex in between. Our journey begins with a really hot solo date that I had with myself. Now, I know a lot of people who say, solo date, you mean you masturbated. Well, that's one way to look at it. But we can also look at the idea of how we have relationships with ourselves. Our relationship with ourself is primary to any relationship we have with anyone else. I look at the notion of polyamory, and there's this idea of polymath that comes up for me. That if there are two people in relationship with one another, there's actually three relationships. Person A's relationship with themselves, and person B's relationship with themselves, and the relationship that is formed called A-B. Now, when there's a triad, there is A, B, C, A, B, B, C, C, A, and A, B, C. So we go from a relationship with one person to a three relationships to seven relationships. We get to a relationship with four people, and whether they're playing with each other or not, there are relationships between those people. And we have A, B, C, D. A, B, B, C, C, D, A, D, A, C, B, D. And then, of course, we have all the triads. A, B, C, B, C, D, A, D, C. You get the idea. Suddenly, it's 15. The mathematics of polyamory and the mathematics of relationships in general is exponential in nature. 
It's exponential in nature. And so I wanted to go back and have a date with that core single one. Not the one that I'm in a relationship with, not my primary partner, but the relationship that is me. The relationship that is me. And so I was actually preparing to go have a hot, steamy date with my lover, who I guess it's a close enough term for the individual in question. It was, it's somebody who I adore and who I find to be an absolute character. And as I was getting ready to have my date with them, I decided to have a date with myself first. I filled a bubble bath. I turned the lights down low. I got my enema gear. And I decided to give myself a long, warm enema. Because enemas, at the end of the day, when they're too cold, can cause us to cramp. When they're too hot, can burn the tissue of our bodies. We want something that's about room temperature. Because I know a lot of people that say, ah, enemas, what are, you, what are you talking about? Why would an enema be sexy? And in my opinion, enemas are sexy because they are a form of sensual touch. They are something that is soothing, warm to the body, something that takes time and energy. And if we're doing it with something other than a fleet enema, which as a note, fleet enemas could really rip up your body, and leave it really prone towards if a condom were to break, God forbid, if a condom was to break and you were using a fleet enema, you have tons of tiny little fissures in your body that have been opened up and sores have the potential of forming if there's infections as well. Now, fleet is useful for quickly clearing out the body. So if I just wanted to remove any blockages from there and I was going to be doing uh, sex with a, with a vaginal opening and I was just making sure that I was feeling clean, so be it. But the reality is, if we're going to be doing enemas before anal play, at least in the reality that I've come to understand, you want to do it an extended period of time ahead of time, somewhere between two and four hours in advance, more than four hours, and new material can be gathering up where you're going to be doing anal play. And less than two hours, we have the concern around these little micro fissures. So this was a couple of hours before I was going to be going on my date, and I lit this, the candles, and I turned down the lights, and I soaked into the warm bath water. I gave myself an enema and climbed back into that warm water and let my body sink into the sensation as I held that enema. Laying on my left side, I felt it percolate up into my body, felt myself becoming emptied as it filled me up in that moment, because I knew that as soon as I was ready to go back onto the toilet and release everything, that I would feel that emptiness. There was this expectation, this potentiality. And once everything was emptied out and I felt beautiful, having done multiple rinses all the way through, I pulled out some of my favorite toys and lubed them up, and started playing with myself slowly and sensually because I knew that the date that night was not going to be slow or sensual. Which makes me wonder if there is that part of me that longs for sensuality and that part of me that longs for the roughness that came later that night. What is this thing called balance within me? What percentage, if I were an algorithm, would be sensual? and sweet, and collected, and connected, 
And what parts of me would want to be degraded and humiliated and broken down and used and fucked? What percentages are you? If you take all of the different parts of your life and your identity and your connection, what parts of you are there and what are their percentages? Do those stay the same for you or do they shift through time? And if they do shift through time, what are your judgments there? I know for myself, I've certainly had times where I've gone, ugh, I used to be that guy who absolutely loved X, Y, and Z, and I haven't done X or Y in ages. And I could vent about that, and I could complain about that, but then I can look at it as well and see whether I actually want to do X and Y. Or is that some part of my past identity that really longed for X and Y, and right now... I'm really happy with Z and F and Q. What are my thoughts on that? And what are your thoughts on that? When's the last time you did something that you swore you loved, but you look at it and you don't really miss it much? Or when you look at it, you realize you do miss it very, very much. I have certain types of sexual play right now that I haven't gotten to do and quite a long time. In some cases, about a year, and in some cases, multiple years. And I miss them. And I look forward to when I get to do them again. Whether it's that I look forward to having a partner that that will be a compatible type of play with, or I look forward to connecting with one of my current partners or with myself in such a way that will derive those forms of pleasure in my life again. It's not bad is simply what it is in this chapter. It is what it needs to be in this chapter. And so after my solo date, I went on another date. I went on, well, again, if we call it a date, I was there with someone who I love fucking. Someone whose approach and style is really, it really clicks with what I'm looking for right now when it comes to me as a sexual bottom. The following poem is based on the connection that he and I had that night, and it's called Crash. In the darkness your relics rise from the obscurity of buried places I'd forgotten, were masked from view, storming into me, pushing deep into my hidden places as I grunt out, yes, yes, under my breath. Again and again, with tears falling like a silent rain, my fertile pain washing away in a rising tide. I lament as you force your way into my breath, crying out as I gasp for air beneath the waves. Give me more, you echo into my pulse. Let me shackle you to the rock of your own dread. Tie me to the rock and let the kraken come. Bind me to the rock and let the eagles peck. Consign me to the rock until Ragnarok roars. Tie me to the rock and let me drown. That night with him was painful and full of suffering, and yet was full of a lot of fun, too. Sometimes that's what I'm looking for. And it's sometimes worthwhile to consider what you're looking for tonight. Not what you're looking for tomorrow, not what you're looking for yesterday, or were looking for yesterday, but what you're looking for tonight, 
and communicate that to your partner. In this case, turning to my lover, I told him ahead of time that I'd been having a really hard time and that he needed to tread carefully on my emotions because I'd been dealing with some personal emotional stuff. And so he said, okay, what do you need? This is all discussed by text message in advance. And we did that on text message because sometimes for both he and I, it uh, it's awkward to have that conversation in person because we want to be able to fulfill that suspension of disbelief around rough sex. And so in texting back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, I, I said, how about this? Dinner, movie, and he said, how about the movie be something that we can ignore if we need to? And I said, okay, sounds good, sounds good. And we'd spent hours before, when we first were debating being lovers with each other, We'd been friends for a while. In fact, I'd even modeled for him at one point. But, uh, and we'd hung out a lot as, as, uh, as, like I said, as friends of sorts. And, but we sat down after we first went out to a movie with each other, and at Popeye's Chicken, of all places, at Popeye's Chicken, we sat down for a couple of hours and discussed what needed to be discussed and put it all on the table and, Neither of us really play with the notion of safe words, but both of us play really well with the idea of clear communication, the notion of what we consider clear English. And so if I'm having a hard time, I can say, no, seriously, seriously, stop, and have it, the action of whatever's going on, stop. Uh, this is actively different than me in the middle of a scene getting to say, oh, no, please don't, while begging and pleading, because those begs and pleads are not what it would sound like if I went, no, really, stop, which is a very different form of dialogue. I know some people in these long conversations come up with their safe words, come up with their safe calls. He knew who my partner was. He knows my partner. And so, therefore, he knows that if there was an emergency, who to call. He has my information on my EMT bracelet. We talked about health issues. We talked about both of our triggers from the past, and we talked about where we've both felt betrayed at points. We put out on the table our longings, our frustrations, why we don't do some of the stuff that we do in public, why we don't do some of the stuff we like to do in private who we like to do stuff with. And it was really hard for me to lay out these kinds of things on the table because I have a hard time once I've done that kind of negotiation to get back into the mood of things. But in this case, with this person, it felt really good to do that kind of negotiation. It felt really good to put it all out there on the table and then afterwards make a commitment to one another that those rules are as they were established until we tell each other otherwise. Until we tell each other otherwise. And so, that night, when we played and fucked and rutted, and I felt him use me and tackle me to the ground, and I was there begging as the water hit me on the face, as I felt him over me, as I felt those hands wrapped around my throat, and I could hear myself whimpering with every single stroke. It was good. It was really good, and it was dramatically different than the play I'd had with myself. 
And it's really funny because I have people who say, well, you can't do autoerotic stuff that's suffering with yourself because you can't really make yourself suffer. And I will say no. At least in my case, I'm able to dissociate just enough to be able to make myself suffer. Those choices of using hot, tingling lube for ass play instead of using the cooling soft lube. Those choices of using something just a little bit too large. That choice of using the vibrator straight and hard onto my clit instead of wondering, well, maybe I should put it just above until I can come comfortably. No, no. Rip it out of me. Pull that orgasm out of me. So I ask you, what do you like to do to push yourself? Have you ever masturbated to a point where you want to have it stop, but it feels so good? How do you know what you like when you masturbate? Have you been doing it the exact same way since you were 12 years old, always humping your pillow? Or is it something that you've been exploring with a lover? Do you like how they touch you, and so you try to figure out if you can touch yourself in that same way? Or is that type of touch that you want to have stay special to that time with your partner? Do you do things by exploring in tandem, their body next to yours, moving and writhing and probing, figuring out exactly what it is with company next to you? Do you do it by going to a party like the Rain City Jacks in Seattle, uh, Seattle, Washington? I was about to say Seattle, America, which is true enough, um, in Seattle, and getting to explore with other men a consensual exploration of just that masturbatory experience? Do you watch something in a porn video and go, oh, God, that, yeah, that would be cool. I should try that out. And have you ever found yourself disappointed? in a form of masturbation that you've explored? Did something sound really, really hot and just wasn't? Or was really, really hot before and now isn't? I've certainly had that happen, where I've done autoerotic experience play, or when I've been playing with somebody else and both of us are touching ourselves. It's a great form of safer sex, after all. And we've both been touching ourselves, and it felt really good when they were touching us in that way, but not so much when we were touching ourselves, or vice versa, or when we just realize that now this just isn't doing anything for us, and we roll over and we choose to watch our partner instead and bear witness to their auto-erotic orgasm. Sometimes bearing witness is what we're looking for, and sometimes what we're looking for is to have someone watch and have someone be there for us, and someone hold that Hitachi for us, or someone just to whisper naughty words in our ear. And that's good, and that's delicious, and that's something so tasty. Now, as part of my negotiation with this lover, what I told him ahead of time was that, by the way, I have fairly strict safer sex rules. My safer sex rules with people that are not my partner are that there are latex gloves for everything other than kissing. Latex gloves if you're going to be touching my front hole, my back hole. If we're going to do anything with an exposed mucous membrane, gloves are there, latex or nitrile. 
condoms for oral sex, vaginal sex, anal sex, condoms for anything else, dental dams for any sort of connection between the mouth and anything on my body um, or on anything lower down on theirs or if we're doing anything with, if I'm doing anything with women it's dental dams all the way. It's a, I'm a 100% player as it were and with my partner it's not that much different. We've decided to make certain choices between us in partnerships but really I'm a big believer in safer sex all around. I think it's just a safer choice for me in my journey and I know everybody makes their own choices but especially since I'm a bit of a slut or at least would like to be if I had more of a chance I, uh, I've decided that I'm doing 100% across the board because I just think it's a better choice for me. And so I told him this and we had some interesting discussions along the way because, well, how do you stop in the middle of throwing somebody down to the ground and get that latex glove on? And so we figured it out together. The idea of his knee being on my chest while he reached into his pocket and grabbed those gloves and then, without lube, started to shove them into my front hole, reestablishing dominance or at least reestablishing that power that hotness, that feralness, since we don't exactly do dominance and submission. It's more of a feral activity, more of a rough activity. I would say more of a raw activity, but that gives a little bit of a misnomer for the gay men who are out there or the folks who understand that raw sex is something that's referring to bareback sex, which is, again, not what I do. But we figured out really creative options about how to be rough and feral and tough and growling and yet still adhere to my safer sex practices and are in turn safer sex practices because this is what we were going to be doing together. So I think it's a really interesting thing to consider for yourselves is how you creatively instill safer sex and whatever your safer sex practices are into your, whether you call it role-playing, whether you call it your power exchange, whether you call it your rough takedown sex. And it's really important to consider ahead of time instead of in that moment. Because in the moment, sometimes, I know in the past, sometimes I've made stupid choices, really stupid choices, or at least choices that seemed like a good idea at the time and really weren't. So if that's going to be the case, thinking about the things, well, these things while you're emotionally sober is really worthwhile. Is really worthwhile. So sit with yourself and debate, how does this work out? Now the third form of sex that I had was with my long-term partner with somebody who I've loved and cherished for a really long time and who loved and cherished me far before I loved and cherished them. In fact, we were we are uh, watching the entirety of Battlestar Galactica right now. And for people who were at Kinkfest, you'll have seen me perform with Freya in an onstage performance uh, that uh, was all with red, really dramatic red rope and her in a red dress. And it was an um, homage for, uh, for me between... Uh, between Gaius Baltar and Caprica 6 from Battlestar Galactica. I had to because my partner got me the soundtrack for Battlestar Galactica and I was totally in love with the music. But the third time that I got to have a really beautiful sexual encounter in the last month was one with that long-term partner. And we have been having this really interesting tool between us, which is a real dough. I mentioned it uh, last time around. 
And if you want to check out the link to that, please go to the the page notes or whatnot from uh, on Erotic Awakening about that. And it's been a really interesting tool because we've both been exploring with it. For myself, there's usually been that notion of my dick, your dick, because dick, cock, that tool is something so personal to me. It is mine. It is my packy, or it is my, you know, it is my cock that I fuck with and nobody else uses. But we've made the choice to boil between turns and both explore this cock. And it's really interesting because because how our bodies are built, it sits so differently on the two of us. To be honest, the cock looks much bigger on him. I'm impressed. And as we've been exploring this tool, each exploring this tool on different sides of it, it's been really interesting to get to know each other's body and each other's body language and the sensual touch and connection that beautiful sensual touch and connection and a couple of days after that scene happened where we were both being in portions feral but shape-shifting and going into places of being feminine and masculine and hard and soft and going on this roller coaster ride i wrote this piece it's called earthly love and it's me thinking about Geb and Nut, who are uh, the Egyptian gods and goddesses of the uh, god and goddess of the uh, the sky and the earth. Your mountain rose up from quake after quake, Pangea becoming your molten needs that lifted your hips into my soaring sky. My winds danced across your thorny bushes and soaring pines, whispering my desires into lush green and clinging vines that wrapped around my breath. Laying beneath me so close and so far away, chasms that longed for my storms to plunge your depths, just as your towering cliffs invaded my midnight desires. Each night the sun sets, and you see me, oh, you see me, full of glory, lit with the web of gems that cry, oh, come to me, my lover, come to me, my love, and fill me deep. Deep as your ocean eyes, deep as your running river lips, deep as your endless iron heart, deep as your valley mysteries, deep as you, my love, deep as you. Open up and spread my starry thighs, watching me give birth to a new horizon of constellations with every single thrust, feeling me sing a solar system with every moan. Pin my clouds against you in a fog. Let me rustle your leaves with each kiss, my quivering tsunamis laying you, laying to waste your endless vistas. Call me your endless night as you pull me down on top of you. Sandstorms rising up to greet me. Lightning erupted from my shaking overhead. My endless earthen lover. Caves and bone, I shall straddle you forever as we clutch one another in storm and peace and love. How we play 
and sexually interact with our long-term partners may not look like how we interact with our short-term partners or our lovers or the people that we've met for this one weekend or the people that we paid for one session with or those that we are just starting to connect with. And those encounters may look similar or nothing like our autoerotic encounters, which may look differently than how we connected with other lovers in the past and other partners, and how your last partner was with you and how you were with them may not be the same as with your current lover or partner. And I think that's okay. I think it's really important to acknowledge that not just every partner that we have, including ourselves, to not just say that those things are different, but to acknowledge that every single time we fuck, every single time we make love, every single time we sexually connect or sensually connect, it deserves the opportunity to be unique. It deserves the chance to be a one-of-a-kind moment, that we have the opportunity to be mindful in that moment and notice, and notice how beautiful that moment is for what it is, not for what it used to be, not for what it can't be, not for what it should be or should have been, but for what it is. And so I ask you, what is this moment here? This moment, as you hear my voice, what is this moment? Are you breathing deep or shallow? Are you listening intently to every word I have to say? Or is this in the background, distracting you and keeping you awake during a long work shift or a drive? Are you paying attention to the here and now? And if not, that's okay too. But know what this moment is. And then, in the next breath, know what this moment is. Then this moment. 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 And these moments, my friends, are part of Erotic Awakening. And this has been Erotic Awakening with your host, myself, Lee Harrington. For people who are interested in finding more about me or if you have any questions around sexuality, spirituality, kink, gender, connection, identity, authenticity, or anything else that I might be able to help with, please send me your questions to lee, L-E-E, at passionandsoul.com with the subject line Ask Lee in the top. And if I can't get to it here on the podcast, I will endeavor to answer it on my Ask Lee column on passionandsoul.com. For those who want to find me on the internet, you can find me on, as a word search of Lee Harrington or Passion and Soul as one word. You can find Passion and Soul at FetLife.com, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, DeviantArt, and a lot of other places as well. For people who are interested in more of my poetry, you can find that over at TempleOracle.com. That's T-E-M-P-L-E, Oracle, O-R-A-C-L-E.com. And thank you again, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, for joining me in this moment, and this one, and this one. Until next time, stay cool, have fun, 
be authentically you, and have a fantastic journey.